Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of Gainesville, Texas, the music industry falling apart in the early 2000s, Sam Marcus, Lubbock, lots of different things. Today, with the founder of Tequila 512, Mr. Scott Willis, on Monday, I got to share two great tequila tales, one of Mr. David Soro with the San Bravales Ancestral, brilliant, delicious new tequila coming out of Siembra Spirits, and then a chat with the legend himself, Mr. Carlos Camarena. Now, the thing is, why would anybody get mixed up in this world of distilled spirits, this boozy endeavor? There's so much regulation. There's so many challenges in the market, personality challenges, all of this. Well, I'd like to say that it's the entrepreneurial spirit and getting to sit down and chat with Scott, who I've known for a few years now. It's great to see how this story unfolded. How did it start? How does somebody get into tequila? How does someone get into the booze industry? Well, short answer is it starts all with a discussion forum and a random post asking if anybody wants to start a tequila company. So in the spirits of grassroots and local products, local booze, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Mr. Scott Willis of Tequila 512. Institute and, and do like a two-day course yeah, and they'll exactly. teach you paperwork and labeling and all that and then when i did it i'm sure when you were doing yours yeah this all that wasn't there and so it was just like no one wanted to talk to you and yeah. so you're like calling people that aren't returning phone calls and you do talk to the random person who says don't do it and, right you know don't get into this business and so it's like you really got to want it dude you gotta really want it it's the same thing with any art honestly now yeah. Alcohol doesn't always have to be that way, but music's the same kind of thing. If you're going to make it in music, you're going to have to play it every night. Right. You're going to have to rough it. You're probably going to sleep on some floors. You know, it's the right. same kind of thing. But now, you know, you've been doing this over, let's say, four years probably. Four years, now. November, that we've had product in the States. Yeah. Correct. Which yeah. is, I mean, that's incredible. And, you know, we're now in the new Casa, yep. which is these floors are incredible. You're on basically First Street, so in the heart yeah. of Austin. How long have you guys been in this spot now? We've only been here for maybe two months, oh, maybe yeah. going on three months. So we've been just really just finishing it out and kind of getting in here and finally got the pool ready. Yeah. And it gets cold, you know, but whatever. We'll, 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 we'll <laughs> swim. We may do a polar bear dip here and wait till it gets really cold. Yeah, we'll still going to be like here. 80s this week, so we're probably okay. Yeah, yeah. The water feels like Barton Springs cold right now. But yeah, yeah. We, we, we got in here and um, really tried to like push forward the kind of the company culture of yeah. you know flip-flops and shorts and that whole idea of south first being in a warehouse it's hard to get that vibe but it is. we can do it here it gets hot so this is actually really comfortable in here oh yeah I mean, killer. I, so can we say that you being in this new new location now affirms a new chapter of expansion a new level of success for tequila 512 or is it all just uh, la in it man yeah <laughs> i mean it you bake it. yeah the, the the success part i was i that question is interesting I, I i was telling about this this other interview i did recently to you and, and he asked a question about success and yeah. it's like man and you know this too from yeah, the business yeah. but like success is 
that first bottle on that first retail store. But then immediately after, that's not successful anymore. Because right. then you got to be on another one. And yeah. then you got another one. The first menu you're on, oh, I'm successful. Wait a minute. Now I want to be on more menu. You know, now I need another. So the carrot's one always state, out two there. Totally, yeah. yeah. So like when people say that, like you feel like you're successful, I'm, like, I'm more successful now than I was a year ago. Right. And then a year before that, I was more successful than a year before that. But do I feel like we're successful? No, not until everyone that wants tequila thinks about us at least for a second and yeah. thinks, oh, and then, let then, me then give that it's a probably try. not even enough then. Right. Because that's, yeah. that's the problem is, is as an artist or as you, you have this business, it's like, okay, cool. Everybody's got the product. Great. They know me. They know you. We've got a good reputation. Yeah. We're in 30 states. Cool. I'm driving a nice car. Cool. This is all right. What's the next thing? Yeah. Right? Does well, it feel like that? If you think about like, uh, I, I always think about getting to reference Tito, but I, I think about him and, and I go home. I'm from a small town in Texas. and yeah. I'll go home and talk to friends and I'll reference Tito. Yeah. Assuming everybody knows Tito and Tito's right, vodka. Right. And some of them, you know, never fail. Someone will go, never heard of that vodka. So that just shows you, yeah. even at selling 3 million cases a year, whatever he's at, it's right. like, you're still never just like this, you know, what you want to be is you want to be, um, on top of everyone's mind and think of that kind of product right at least where they've heard of it or something right um but even at his size you're still not which makes you really realize that you're not really ever going to be there you yeah know? And, do, and does it even matter no, is it, it really, maybe really a test of just making sure you can be content about things but if you if i feel like kind of like if you don't want that you may not continue pushing you know yeah, like if yeah. you get content you know, Tito said once, he like, I just want to sell enough where I can go to Barton Springs two or three days a week and hang out. Well, he's right. obviously surpassed that goal. Sure. But I feel like if that's your goal, then you're going to be satisfied with just owning a market. Like, okay, we own Austin. Good. Yeah. We're, we're fine, right? But if you want more than that, you, it should never be enough. It should always be like, well, now we want Dallas. Now we want all of Texas. Now yeah. we want other states. You know, that, I feel like that should be the goal if you want to keep pushing forward. Yeah, I mean, you know? I mean it makes sense. It's, when is it enough, I guess, is the question, you know? Because it know. sounds really greedy. Huh? It's not, but it's not. It's not. It's not even egotistical. I think it's just we're as people, as like entrepreneurs. Mm. Maybe what makes us get along because we didn't. You know, we didn't even have to really talk much before we realized, like, yeah, we're going through the same stuff. We're cool. We can right. go and we can relate immediately. You know, maybe it's just that the world is not enough. You yeah. know, maybe it's so one product successful, great. Well, here's another. Yeah, but we can do this third one, which right. I mean, in your case, you, you guys are doing the Anejo, we've so. got three now yeah. yeah yeah finally have the three and I, I don't even we've discussed maybe doing some special i was laying in bed last night thinking about maybe like putting just a, like two barrels back yeah. from this last batch we're aging and just leaving it and just waiting two three four five go just see how long we can let it sit yeah just for something down the road it's you so know? cool and we'll talk about tequila because that's a yeah. really epic chapter for you and there are a lot of trends and a couple of things i wanted to talk about with tequila specifically because dude we're, we're in a great place in texas we're yeah. right next door the hospit hospitality kind of flows into texas too you know so you feel that like kin kindredness i guess with the mexican spirits yeah there. but okay so Small town Texas guy. Mm -hmm. Which where are we talking? Which city? Gainesville, Texas. Gainesville. Hour north of Dallas. So the intersection of Interstate 35 and Highway 82. So okay. the two highways. One goes from Canada to Mexico, and one goes from the East Coast to the West Coast. Oh, interesting. We're on the interchange of those two highways, right in the Red River. So incredibly cultured, right? No, lots of of Canada. <laughs> yes, incredibly, incredibly cultured. If you like just one culture, yeah. Sometimes, uh, yeah, it's right. But what? Very small what, town Texas. How, what do you do if, for you? You're a tall guy. Were you into sports? Were you into music? What kind no, of I was. I was really just into music. I was into music, and then I was into. Um, it sounds like the, the the cliche of like I can't wait till I'm old enough to get out of this town kind right. of thing, you know. But I think it was very appropriate there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was ready to kind of get out, and um, I was into music. And frankly, like I went to um, 
I went to Texas. I went to junior college first for a year. Okay. I didn't know where I wanted to go. Where, like Dallas Community Fort Worth? or uh, North Central Texas Community College no in Gainesville. Oh, in Yeah, Gainesville. it's in Gainesville. I didn't have to go anywhere. So um, I did that. And then, honestly, I chose my college based on a party. So a friend of mine went to Texas Tech. Yeah. And uh, he was a Fiji out there. Okay. And he's like, hey, he invited myself and another friend. He said, come, come down for the weekend. We have a big party going on. So we went down for Fiji Islander. And yeah. it's the biggest party I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. I'm from a small town. We did bonfires and fields. This was of like a full Light, party. Lots of oh yeah, exactly. Natty <laughs> Light. Um, and so we went to this party, and uh, I was like, I'm going here. This is it was so much fun. Yeah, that's how I chose my college. Well, it's, I mean, it's good. It's like yeah. you dart on a board. It's the same thing. Yeah. So I went down and, and I did the whole rush thing and got a fraternity, and then um, I just spent four years trying to figure out what I wanted my major to be. And they, I honestly, chose a major when the business school called me and made me pick one. I was at like 80 hours and I picked a major. Oh, really? And the business school called me or actually sent me a letter and they said, you can't register until you choose a major. Pick you've got up, too many pick hours. Pick up your mind, Scott. Yeah. I went in and I, talk, I literally talked to the counselor and I said, okay, with the hours I have, mm. what will get me out of here in the four years? Like where I could finish. And right. she said, well, you can do business management or marketing or general business. And well, marketing sounds fun. Sure I picked marketing. That's yeah. literally how I chose it. But do, do like, for example, what'd your, what's your dad do? My dad worked at Peterbilt Trucks for okay. 20 some odd years. So, my mom was a county clerk at the county courthouse. So it's like, where does the more? I was the first college the, graduate in my family. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Right. You have any brothers or sisters? Too? I have a sister. She, yeah. She still lives in Gainesville. Yeah. Cousins all still live in Gainesville. Aunts yeah. and uncles so all live in Gainesville. You're the guy. You're the success. <laughs> I got you, out. You left because of a party. Again, success the, is, you know, who knows? But I sure. Mean, yeah, you know, it's in quote. Well, air quotes. Air quotes, right? Yeah. Like my, my sister, we used to say my sister like lives in the country. Yeah. And like a little kind of. My, my wife has to call it a portable home or, or trailer house because right. it's because it's not really a trailer but it's what you would call that type of home mm-hmm. she's happy she could be loves her husband been married you know 20 years wow. has three beautiful kids loves her life and so for me that wasn't good enough my wife's always reminds me she's always like she's happy so yeah. what's success like she's successful in her mind point. she's happy you know Content. i wouldn't have been happy there yeah so i knew that i had to leave and do what i'm doing now to be happy yeah. so you know so different. they made you do it. Marketing seems to make some sense. You watch a couple episodes of Mad Men. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't even know what really understand marketing. And still today, people don't really understand what marketing really means. You know it's, how it's different than advertising. It's yeah. And on. it's different now, given all of the disposable technology that we have. Yeah. You can have, you can run your own marketing really with your phone in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, it's totally changed. But so you emerge from school, which what year did you graduate from? Graduated in 1999. 99. And so you got a marketing degree. I had a marketing degree, and I knew it was going to happen. And I knew that I was just going to get a job at a company in probably sales. I just figured that was going to happen. So yeah. I got a sales job in Dallas. Hated it. I was in Dallas. I was wearing a tie to work every day. I didn't like the, the culture. Not a knock on Dallas. It's maybe more on where I was well, at you, the time. You are, yeah, yeah. You know, I was young. I was just out of school. I was used to, like, you know, um, having... 30, 40, 50 friends around, um, you know, lots of party and all that. Yeah. And ripped from that and plopped in an apartment in Dallas, essentially with just one or two friends that I knew that had moved there and a job with a tie every day on. Wasn't making a lot of money. Not and real, real riveting stuff. No, yeah. I mean, I wasn't a cubicle, but it was, you know, it was, it was just that kind of life. And then I was coming to Austin every, almost every weekend at that point. Really? Visiting a buddy here. And I just loved it here. What did you guys do when you come out? You know, back then you'd go on Sixth Street and not get not get beat up. But we used to go to you know Dirty Six and all that was in my twenties. You yeah, know, yeah. so we'd hit Sixth Street and party. And the warehouse district was non-existent really, and those were parking lots. If you remember back then, oh, you'd, yeah, you'd, you'd park over there and walk to bars. Yeah. Now those are where the bars are. That's right. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we would just go out and party. And I remember thinking like, the first one of the first times I came, 
we were going to some bar and he I said, well, what's the dress code? Because I'm coming from Dallas. Yeah. And he just laughed. He's like, dress code? Dress code You're in Austin. Austin. There's no dress code in Austin. And that was the kind of idea that I fell in love with, that idea that you could go out in flip-flops and shorts and T-shirts and yeah. really be comfortable anywhere, um, which is what I loved about this city. And I remember coming down here and seeing the, the story I tell is like going to Waterloo Records mm. and seeing like the Porsche pull up and the guy gets out. He's in a Cap 10K shirt, torn up shorts and flip flops. Yep. I'm like, that's the opposite of what I was seeing in Dallas. <laughs> yeah. I was seeing guys in Dallas that would get out in like a thousand dollar suit in the Porsche, but they're probably living in a one bedroom apartment on right. the outskirts of town, you know, because it was all about image. Whereas here it seemed less about, I bought the car to show off as opposed to, I bought the car because I had the money to buy the car. Right. And I like the car, I like fast cars, so I bought it. But I don't really care what, I, I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts and I'm going into Waterloo to buy some CDs. So then I guess that, that, that's a great, it's a great point because that is really one of the wonderful things about Austin culture is that we're just doing our thing. So right. Going, now it's changed and you've been here long it's enough to changed. kind of see it changing. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to bemoan that. I don't care. It's fine. Like change. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of the, a whole bunch of it. Austin was cool whenever I got here. It's right, my favorite exactly. quote from people. 10 There's years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. The golden era of Austin, right. which is completely objective and proprietary to when you arrived. Right. That was the best possible era, right? I mean, dude, it was I really, when I got here, Austin was really cool. <laughs> Trust me. You I got, got here about here, when I, I did, I think. I think 2000 I, about for me. Yeah, that's, that's roughly, that's roughly, yeah. So we're about the same time. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that I'm kind of kind of interested about. So we're like this free-spiritedness. You know, your parents were working, they have careers. So when you come into the mix and you kind of want to be a professional where did the desire, the passion to be free spirited come from? You see how it kind of feels counterintuitive for coming from a small yeah. stuff? Yeah, I don't even know really. I, I, I've I've got this question all the time. My wife asked me this yeah. when we're getting deep thoughts on our back porch late night <laughs> with, you know, whiskey in hand and right, having right. these conversations. Like, why did you want to do leave? Why did you you know I'm like, I don't know. I really don't know. I've always wanted to. Was it music? I mean, is that something that kind well, of Well, I motivated? did I did come here for music, right? Yeah. And I moved here, um, I wanted to be in the music business. I can't play an instrument or okay. sing or anything, okay. but I wanted to be manage bands. I wanted to book bands and manage bands, so I uh, went to I went to college with Pat Green. Okay, not we weren't friends, but he right. was in school when I was there, and um, Corey Moore was there when I was there, and so that kind of scene, yeah, exactly, yeah, that scene was kind of coming up. Yeah, when I was there, Pat released his first album. There was kind of like the second wave after Robert Earl. This the second group was Corey and Pat and mm-hmm. those, those guys, and they were all a lot of them were in Lubbock, and so. I just emailed, I was in Dallas, I was hating it. I emailed his manager through Pat, patgreen.com. Yeah, I found yeah. his manager, emailed him and said, I want a job in the music business. Here's my resume, I went to tech. Pat won't know me, but we have some mutual friends, whatever. He emailed me back and he said, you know what? I'm actually growing my company and I may have a job for you. Really? And I said, great. And so I quit my job and I moved to Austin. I met him in the Omni Hotel at his office mm-hmm. in downtown Austin. And he said, okay, this is February. He said, okay or January, February. And he says, okay, I got a job for you, but it's not till this summer. I'm like, okay, I got rent. Right. I got you car got payment. Yeah. He goes, well, Pat's website guy could use an extra hand for a few hundred bucks a week. Yeah. I went, okay, great. I don't know web design. So I go over there and start working with him. And at this point now, I'm doing web design, learning web design. We're doing Pat Green, some stuff for Willie and right, some other right. things. I'm going out to shows, taking pictures for the website. So I'm cool. like kind of living this. It's kind of cool. It's a lifestyle, yeah. But I had no money. And so then I got a second job as a door guide, a live music venue on West Campus. Um, Which venue was it? It's called, uh, it's called Mangoes. It's torn down now. I think I remember that place. Torn down. Yeah. They, they were doing the Texas country thing there. Yeah, so they, yeah. Ray Wiley Hubbard, like random people would come through there. You know, really good acts actually. But no one ever came. It was always empty. Right. And um, so I'm the door guy there and I'm daytime doing websites and I'm sleeping like three hours a night. And just I'm killing myself with the college degree. With too, the college right? degree, right? Because I'm like, I'm gonna do make this music thing's gonna work, right? 
And then uh, I just reality set in, and my roommate worked at Dell. Mm. And he was like, look, they're hiring. You know, at the time, Dell was just like the ubiquitous. Huge. I mean, they were. Totally, yeah. we, the joke was we weren't selling computers. We were just taking orders. That's yeah. how, how it was back then, right? And then um, he, I sent my resume over and got a job at Dell. And that kind of pulled me out of what I came here to do, which yeah. was kind of this making people happy lifestyle. Like, you know, whether it's food or music or drink or whatever, I came here to do some fun stuff. Yeah. And now I'm back in the corporate world. But, you know, Dell back then, they were paying well. We were making good money. Well, yeah, it's all mo- the money piece is good. Yeah. Did, so you, I, did the opportunity in the summer come up again? You know, once I started Dell, it just kind of faded away. And then some things changed with his company because right. Pat got big. And when you get big, you hire a bigger manager. And That's all those right. things kind of changed on his end. And then those opportunities really closed off for me. Yeah. And so I just kind of settled into Dell and settled into making decent money. Or at the time, I thought it was big money. You yeah. know, when you're 20-something years old. and then, yeah, But it's, it's, it's better than sleeping on couches. Yeah, right? yeah. So I was there. And I, I stayed there for several years, uh, almost four years. And then I got offered a job at Apple. And Apple, at the time, it was, it was right before iTunes came out. Yeah. And they were snatching up Dell people to come right. in and help the sales culture mm-hmm. at the time. At the time, there wasn't as much of a sales culture. It was... They were hiring educators and teachers and things, especially in the division I was in, which was K-12 sales yeah, and yeah. educational how, sales. How old were you about at this oh, point? Gosh. Um, is this mid-20s? Yeah, mid-20s, 25. 25, something yeah. like that. And then they were hiring up Dell people because they we want to create a sales culture. Yeah. And so I go in there, and it's a lot of like ex-teachers and librarians and people that were doing their sales. And I was a true, I was a true sales, sales guy. I was a sales guy, guy yeah. from Dell, and they wanted me to come in and, you know, we need to sales up our group a little. Right, right. So I went to Apple, and I worked there for... I was only there for a little over a year. Um, and then I got a, a field sales job for, for a publishing company, Thompson Publishing. And what I is, left that. What, what kind of publishing? Books, music? Thompson Publishing is was uh, textbooks for colleges. Oh, okay. They were, they were very were large, very large. They were right behind Pearson Prentice Hall. For mm-hmm. I tell people when you, if you, when you were in college, some of the books you had were Thompson books. They had to have been because they were that big. So I did that. Thompson sold off their publishing arm and then renamed it something else, but I stayed on there. So I was there for 10 years. Oh, shit, really? Gig. I was doing that while I was doing the beginning of I was starting stuff. this company because I was field sales. Yeah. So I could take my little laptop and go and log into a coffee shop in Norman, Oklahoma while I'm visiting colleges and bang on the business plan a little bit. You Perfect know? gig. Go on that. the TBC website and learn how to do that stuff. Yeah, go on yeah. the TTB and learn labeling. I was teaching myself all of that while I was Got the bandwidth in the field. Yeah. Well, you, you weren't married at this point, right? I was married, yeah. had a child, divorced, remarried, and have had three more children since then. So four total now? Uh, four total, yeah. You don't look old enough to have four kids, man. And I feel old enough. <laughs> you're me. still smiling. Right? It's, well, you're coming old. into work. You got this casa, like I'm saying, a bunch of tequila and mixers on the wall. Well, you know what's funny is like when you have children, and you don't have children yet. No, right? I don't. Okay? No. When you have children and you're in the liquor business, you don't. I don't do. I mean, my guys do those things. They're 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 doing uh, the quote unquote fun stuff. Fun you know stuff. the perks. Yeah. You know you get the VIP pass to the the grand opening of something. Right. right. They're there. They're going. I'm at home feeding kids, hanging yeah. out with the family. Yeah. Which I which I don't regret that. I mean it's awesome. Yeah. But um, I kind of did a lot of that early on, and now I let these guys do it, and they're you know they're Balance taking advantage key, of that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And having a, had that phase, maybe, and then I mean the gonna... the idea of starting a liquor brand, and I don't know if you experienced this. In the beginning of it, it's how cool would it be if I owned my own liquor company, right? This is going to be the coolest thing ever. And yeah. then you get into it, and then some of it becomes kind of a grind, and you right. realize that, um, you know, eighty percent of it, ninety percent of it is just is business. Yeah. It could be anything. Totally. You could be selling widgets. We could be selling these microphones, yeah, right? Yeah. That portion of it, the fun part, the liquor part, 
is the part you've really got to remind yourself, hey, we're, we're selling tequila, we're selling gin, we're, yeah. we're doing some pretty fun things, and you've got to remind yourself that. Cause you can get bogged down in the paper, TVC paperwork and mm-hmm. just paying your rent and paying the utility bills and it's all, all, you know, all those I mean, things. It is artful, and we kind of talked about that, but it, it is hard. It's a balance, you know, and the fact that like you don't necessarily get – you're the face of this. I mean, mm-hmm. people – Google you, they're going to see that this is your company. Those are the smiling pictures of you and not realize you've <laughs> been married it's twice, have four work. kids. Yeah. No, dude, it, to- it totally it's work. Is. And I can attribute a lot of the gray hair to that that work. Hunt's coming in down here in the beard. Still, you're way darker beard than me. I'm really envious of that. Right now. Yeah. But, so we got to think yep. here because, of course, tequila. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to piece together, was it the food scene in Austin, like it was for me, that made you think about flavors and made you think about alcohol was it the good times like why was tequila the piece that was on your radar well so when i had the idea to do this i originally i said the tito's thing right i was i was inspired um yeah. i started talking to different people um a couple of people in the business would talk to me early on um, a guy from hideous liquor mm-hmm. you know hideous mm-hmm. liquor and yeah, I, yeah. I apologize i forget his name but i met him early early on when i just had a really just a nugget of an idea to do something in liquor and he said uh, something to me early on which was like whatever you do make sure it's a spirit that you like to drink and he kind of the joke was like, because you'll have a lot left over, it doesn't sell. You know, you got to drink right. it, but also you got to be passionate about it. Because his point was, people see through that at some point, yeah. you know, and you don't have to be an expert on spirit A or B or whatever, but you need to really be passionate enough about it. it. Yeah. And you got to love it, right? And so I sat down and thought, okay, what do I drink? You know, I don't, I, I drink Bloody Marys. I like vodka well enough. Yeah. Um, but a couple of things with that is I saw from a business standpoint that uh, the barriers to entry were nil. Yeah. Um, and back then it was just Tito, but my prophecy proved true because yeah. now as you know there's oh, so many. every city in the state plus. of texas has yeah. has a handful of their own vodka distillers right because there's no barriers to entry and it could be made out of really anything sure, sure. um i'm not denigrating the, the you know vodka and obviously there's good ones and bad ones and we both know it's easier to make a vodka it is it simply is yeah and so you know getting into um tequila i saw there were more, more barriers to entry first off and also um i drank a lot of tequila yeah. and I, I really and i didn't know as much about it when i started I mean, I really edu- had to educate myself on the product because, you know, I didn't, I wasn't from the industry. Yeah. I don't have a spirits background. Um, aside from the industry, I wasn't, I don't come from a family of, you know, all that. I, I yeah. Don't, I mean, I it didn't. seems like almost a spontaneous idea. That so I had to really to learn it. And yeah. I was buying books on tequila. I was like, back then you would get a, you, I'd go to Barnes and Noble mm. and I'd buy a book on spirits and it would be like a chapter on tequila or two pages on right. it. Right. So I really had to dig and search for little nuggets and stuff online and, really find information to kind of piece together like okay blue agave right okay why is it blue agave okay how many agave kind of types are there what how does it produce is yeah. it, what type of stills are used traditionally what you know you just there's i mean i really started from from list. from ground level 10 yeah. years ago and over the course of those six years before my product got here i tried to verse myself as much as i could on on the on the history of it on the art of it right. and then on the business side of it which is obviously very important and um yeah, as I learned more about it, I was like, oh, wow. So not only do I like tequila, but now I'm, I'm really learning to love it based on what I'm learning about it and the, the history of it. It's and then really, yeah. in going out and buying bottles and bottles of it back then, I was trying all these different types yeah. and going, wow, there really are nuances and different tastes and different things going on. It's not just good tequila and bad tequila. Right. You know, there's highlands and lowlands and peppery and sweet and spicy right. and earthy and all these things. And I really figured out, okay, I don't know why, but I like this one type. And then I figured out that, okay, this one type I like is from this area. Okay. This is this, the Tequila Valley. Yeah. Like, okay, well, why is that? And so I learned about that. 
And that's how I kind of zoned in on the area that I said, okay, this is where I want to go. Because you like the flavor. Of I like the flavor it. of that's it. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I couldn't so, tell you why. I kind of worked backwards into yeah. it. I didn't go down there and saying, I want you to make me a tequila that tastes like this, this, and this. Right. I went, I know the flavor I want. I've got it in here. Yeah, yeah. And Luis Trejo is the master distiller there. And he at Le Corps for Dia where mine's produced. And he's been the guy I've worked with since the beginning. And through a translator, I was trying tequilas that they made. And, and, you know, double distilled, triple distilled. We even went up to four. And they had a four and a five times. They just wow. pulled out for me to try. I went through these different types and different filtration times. And I'm like, okay, I like this one. Yeah. And he told me, okay, well, the one you like is this, 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 and this. And I went, okay, bottle me some samples. That's what I want to have. That's what I want to produce. Right. And then continue to learn. And I'm still learning. Sure. Well, you, you know, I mean, have I, to. This I, industry I, changes so much. I've got two employees in that room right there who could talk tequila for hours and hours and hours and yeah. i'll pick up things from them and go oh wow okay i didn't i didn't understand i didn't know that yeah thanks for sharing that you know That's so incredible. we're still learning so would you so you took back what like two three bottles and you kind think of i had two liters just thinking and just tasting and thinking and tasting yeah and thinking where how far along were you in making this a legit a legitimate business at that point? no no nowhere at all i i started my llc because i said oh i know i gotta have that right willis importing llc how creative nice. is that so i started that and just to have the paperwork in place. And that was easy to do. So I did the easiest thing first. And then I flew down to Guadalajara. I met a guy online. Sounds totally yeah. dirty. <laughs> uh, it, it was like, it wasn't Craigslist, but it was comparable to what a Craigslist would have been. Yeah, but like yeah, say yeah. 10 years ago, whatever that was. I can't remember. I found some online message board. Mm-hmm. And this guy had said, I'm, I'm looking to match up American business people with distilleries in Mexico. And it, the funny thing was, I'm like, I'm an American businessman. Like, it's silly. Like, I thought, I was like, I'm just going down this kind of I'm play, a dude, right? play this yeah. out, right? Yeah. So my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, flew with me. Mm. We literally got off the plane in Guadalajara. There's a guy there, an older expat American with a sign that had my name written on it. Uh-huh. And we got in his truck, old beat up pickup truck. Yeah. We sat three wide in his truck. And he drove us and drove us to our hotel to check in. And then he said, hop in, we're going to drive tequila and then meet these, go to these distilleries. And the key thing I told him was, I said, I don't want to go to one that just wants to put their juice in my bottle. Right. It was, first off, I didn't have a bottle. Yeah. I didn't have a name. I didn't, I, this was the first step was finding the tequila. So it, it is officially a, form, a formed company, quote, so you are now a quote unquote Willis importing LLC. Right? So you've got an entity. Yeah. So you go down, but it's like, I know what I want, but again, don't, it's on my terms. I knew nothing else. I didn't know what I was going to call it. I didn't yeah. have any money raised. I knew nothing. I was just like, let me go down there. This seems like the first step. Sure. And again, looking back on it, like now, as you're aware, you could we could sketch out a bottle design right now. Yeah. And I could pull up a database of distilleries and make a couple phone calls. Yep. And we could have, within a few months, we could have our own tequila brand here with their juice in the bottle. Right. No problem, right? But that seems disingenuous. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, I did it that way not to prove a point or not to be... You know, I'm going to do this the right way. Right. I didn't know anybody. I thought, well, of course, I got to have the tequila first, right? Because yeah. what am I going to call it if I don't even know what it tastes like? You know, like yeah. I just, I, I was looking again from the Tito method. Like, okay, I'm not making it, I'm, I'm not making it myself. I know that. Yeah. But I'm going to get as close to his idea as I can, which is something that I am the first person that tries it and likes it. And I want everyone else to try what I tried and yeah. say, I hope you like what I like. Because yeah. this is what I like, right? Sure. And so that's what we did. And we, we got the bottles. He drove us around. We met La Corfordia. And La Corfordia was one of the few that would do private label at the time. Okay. And so they said, look, we'll, I say private label, private label and also any kind of flavor profiles you want. Got and it. they'll even do, you know, you could, you could choose, you know, they own agave fields all around. You can choose their estate grown or some agave fields they own other parts of the country. You can, they so can, you, they can do can different things You any flavor for that you Yeah, you really yeah. can. Um, now, and I knew they were producing some award-winning stuff already. Casa Noble was oh. a fantastic tequila that they did and they've now sold on to Constellation brands. Mm-hmm. But I knew they were doing that one. 
And so I went there and, and through the translator, we talked to Luis and he said, we'll make whatever you want. Like, we'll distill it how you want it. We'll filter it how you want it. We'll do anything you want. And I went, yeah. okay, that's what I want. So we, without knowing pricing or knowing anything else, we just right. got these bottles and we said, this is it, right? And so picture like a table full of like those brandy snifters glasses oh, that yeah. they use the distillery, yeah. which is like not the official glass of tequila, but we're drinking them out of that. It's so much better out of that, I think. I like those glasses, yeah. I do too. Um, so we had a table full of those and it was kind of like pushed this across the table. Like, this is it, you know, the one glass. Yeah. Got a couple liters, came back with it. And I really just started like tasting people. I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? And then I sat down and said, okay, now I need a business plan. Now I need to learn how to like, how do I get labels and how am I going to do the label and right. what's it going to look like and be called and... Mm-hmm. That was the six the fun years. part. That was the five, five to six years of work that took to get that. Done. Did did it ever? So you're having this relationship with the distillery, and you know the juice that you want, they obviously can replicate it. But ha- taking so long to kind of work on that, did they mm-hmm. say, "Man, Scott, we need you to put something down"? Yes. Yeah. Actually, they did. They, okay. yeah. they call me, and they 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 email me. Rocio, who I worked with, she was like my kind of liaison at the distillery. Mm-hmm. She would email me once every few months. How's it coming? How's it looking? What, yeah. What's going on? And eventually, I when I figured out the name, um, I told him the name, and she called me up after maybe a couple years in and said, "Hey, um, someone is trying to register a similar name with CRT. Oh, Whether they really were or not, I don't know. Right. They well, might have just tried to force my hand. Yeah. They go, we need something. Like you got to put something. Gesture of good faith. Call my wife, yeah. and I said, we got a certain amount of money in savings, and I said, can I? Can we pull? And I, I don't know, eight grand or something out. Yeah, yeah. I said, can we invest this? as kind of a good faith to buy some product kind of in advance yeah so i did that and they said great your name is locked in you have it now crt got it so they did that and then you know again things would come up every few months you know right. like when's it going to start and then they'd send me new samples i blew through those two liters and needed more and they'd yeah. send me more and um it was a lot man that first thousand cases was was pretty brutal yeah i mean what, I'm, what is what's the word like painstaking dude it was like okay so the, the craziest story that happened during that, and there's a million things that happened, sure, but one yeah. of the craziest things was my old bottle, which is, you know, some people have an affinity for it. I, we changed it. You mean the, so the old it's look. the same kind of same bottle, bottle, right? Yeah. Same exact bottle. So I should say the, the label. Got it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the original label, we had it done and it's a, it's a, it's a applied ceramics type thing. It's not necessarily applied ceramics, but it's applied to the bottle. So yeah, it's, not a, yeah. it's not a sticker. We had a company that, that was doing it for us. And we had it all set. So we get my money together. I'm ready to order my bottles. We got our bottles on order. And they call me. And they go, hey, you got a problem. Um, the decorator that we use to do your bottles mm. blew up. The plant blew up. Exploded. Literally blew it up. literally exploded. And I went, well, so what do we do? And he goes, I don't know. And he goes, beyond that, we think that it was blown up. We think that it was like an Where was the factory? Spray. It was in Mexico. I don't even know what city it was in, to be Holy honest with shit. you. So we're a few months away from expecting to have product in a warehouse here right. in Austin. Right? And so I'm like freaking out. They vitro now oi changed yeah, names uh-huh. as you're aware probably um they said we got a we got a place in toluca that does cosmetology packaging for us we think they might be able to do it but we don't know they got to retrofit their machines and they start sending me sample bottles up and i can show you something a little bit yeah, they yeah. were horrible horrible, horrible. Oh, color was off everything was spaced odd and yeah. crooked and and so i'm getting more nervous and more nervous they're sending talking me, the, the Two months. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. What, what, why did you have that deadline? So what was two months? Was that investors said you had to be to market? Well, or? it was more like um, everything was set up with the distillery. I had my warehouse I was paying rent on. Oh, I gotcha. It was coming in to like, we're getting in, you know, we thought we we're going to have them by summer. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, September Slipping. and it's October. And now we're going, okay, we need these in before the year end. I want to have this product. And we've been telling stores that, you know, whatever. Yeah. So um, they finally got it close. 
So if you've seen the first, the very first bottle we had, which you, I know you've seen it, yeah. but if you compare it to the ones that came after, it's a unique bottle. It's bright green. Oh, bright oh green. that's right. Yeah. If yeah. you had the original bottle, we've never done those again. So we had a thousand case run of those in Blanco of that bright green. Yeah, yeah. And the next run, they got better. So that was kind of one of the, I mean, we had tons of those things happen. We've had lost trailers where they call me. We can't find your trailer. Oh, oh you just lost a thousand cases of tequila. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's somewhere in on the which side. I've uh, been lost on both sides before because really? they have those yards, you know, they, they park yeah. it and then customs does their thing. So the trucks unload it and leave it. And then another truck picks it up, and brings it across. They've lost trailers. They lost a trailer this last shipment and then for about three days and found it. Yeah. Talking like thousands upon thousands of cases. Of yeah. Stuff, and it's a heavy. It oh. smells like a guy. You know what I mean? Like you can't lose that. You can't, yeah. How do you lose that? Yeah. That's the fun part of this industry is that you have this very valuable thing, the liquid, you know, mm-hmm. and, People don't value it. They don't value it that way. No. Like, oh, it's just a container, right? They don't care about what's yeah. inside of it. It's toss that thing around and break bottles if they had to. Oh, yeah. They don't even care, you know? Yeah, and then there's the whole thing in Mexico, you know, well, the state highways cost you more, but there's less chance of getting hijacked on a state highway, Scott. You might want to think about that. You get those those emails and phone calls from Mexico, you know, and they're yeah. like, you know, okay, how much do I need to send you? Okay. Did, for, for you personally, when it all was said and done and you had the first bottle bottled out to market, how mm-hmm. many times had you been down? Mexico at that point oh my god probably four yeah. or five times down so, back and forth yeah we're just going down there and checking in and when I started working with La Cofredia they were relatively small I mean they've been around a long time but you know they had an office a distillery and that's it and then now since then they've grown and with Constellation buying up um, Casanoble that actually helped us because my distillery was able to expand in other ways now the, I tell people our distillery uses traditional methods on a larger scale right right so you know, we can, our capacity will never reach the capacity they can produce, yeah. but they still use stone ovens. Mm-hmm. They, they just use really big stone ovens and lots of them. They still use pot stills. They were just able to add more pot stills. Right. More, they have copper line pot stills. Um, open fermentation. They just added larger fermentation tanks. So yeah. they've kept with the same methods they've always done. They've just, just done it, of it larger. So it's really helped us. You know, we, we've never had any scaling issues. Consistency has um, been really consistency's good. Consistency has been great, but I do go down there for all of them. You know, they don't put anything in a bottle or anything in a cask until yeah. I go down and try it. Got it. Just because I can't get, you know, I get two, 3,000 cases of product here and it's wrong. I can't oh, send dude, it back, you, you know, and then that. what? You know, then it's like on the shelf and it's like, that's you not You dump mine. it and we'll redistill it yeah, for like, it. What do you, you do? You know, <laughs> not like, I mean, I'm jealous sometimes of you guys where it's like, if you need more, you can go make more and you can yeah. literally taste it as you're working. And, that is one part, you know, for sure. But it is the, the volatility and then keeping something consistent, you know, that's easier in a larger scale when you're small. It's yeah. a little bit hard to manage. But these cases out so the first bottles hitting austin what what was that month like was it before year end of, and it was this november 1st november 1st of 2012 amazing it was my first so my bottles arrived on like the 30th or 31st right on halloween yeah and then i had my local liquor store south lamar wine and spirits huh? pete in pete? there that's yeah. my store yeah you know pete oh, yeah. and uh anyways i was i was just really beating him down for months and months hey when it gets here you gotta buy it when it gets here you gotta buy it finally he's like bring me a case fine Whenever you get it, bring me a case. Just shut up, Scott. Just give exactly. me a case. Exactly. Yeah, that's basically how it went. And yeah. then I, I had my distributor's license, if you recall, at the uh-huh. time. So I could self-distribute. So it showed up, and I brought, here's your case, Pete. So my first store, November 1st, was his. I took a picture and put it on oh, Facebook and went, check it out, guys. Come in and buy it. Yeah. And he sold through that case like that day. Of course, because there's only place that had it. Yeah, so, sure, you know, it's easy yeah. to sell 12 bottles when you're in one store. Yeah. So he sold through a case or case that day, and I think maybe two more over the weekend or something. And so that started it. And then just from there, just, again, not knowing any better, I just 
called up the liquor buyers at Specs and said, I want to come talk to you. I want you to carry my tequila. And I'm finding out now that, like, oh, there's other processes and ways right, to do right. that. I just did that. And, well, you just and, do what you got to do. Yeah. Right? yeah. Twin Liquors, same thing. I, I called them up and said, I want to talk to you guys about it. And I went in and pitched them. And they said, we'll give you, I don't know, four stores or right. five stores. And that grew. And then Specs, the same thing. We'll give you two stores. And they gave me more. And then on and on, it kind of grew from there. And then I was literally going into restaurants, bars, and retail stores. I would put on a button-down shirt yeah. or a branded shirt when I finally had T-shirts and jeans and a bottle. And I would walk into a store and go, hi, I'm Scott Willis. I own a tequila company. Um, I would love to have it in your store. Would you like to try some? And that was my sales process. Easy. And I was doing it every free moment I had. Yeah. And it went from three or four stores to 50 to 100, and then it kind of grew and grew and grew. So, How, what was the first kind of impression from the public, what, what was the feedback you're getting? Because this is the great part. This is you, right? Yeah. This is, this is your fault. So if people love it, you're <laughs> yeah. successful. If they hate it, it's uh, no exactly. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, I was the feedback I was getting was great because the price was good. Yeah. They all liked the juice in the bottle. And no one would tell me they didn't like the packaging at the time, but right. now that the packaging has changed, everyone's oh, coming out it. of the woodwork, yeah. and they're like, "Oh, I'm so glad you changed it." And I'm like, Wait, "No one told me before." No yeah. one has really balls to tell you that no, stuff yeah. at the time, right? Um, you don't call them they're not really yes men because they don't owe you anything, but. It's but you're right, they don't want to tell you bad news. They don't want to tell you. They're yeah. looking at you going, he probably loves this bottle. I'm not going to say oh, anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I was just learning a lot. And I didn't know. I knew sales, but I didn't know liquor business. Yeah. And so as you know, you go into a bar and you talk to a bartender and you, they say, oh, we love it. Well, we're going to bring it in this weekend. Yeah. And I went, done. There's a sale. Call my friends. Hey, go to so-and-so bar in East Austin. I'll have it this weekend. They'll yeah. go. And, hey, Scott, it's not here. He said he was going to bring it in. I, yeah. Why would he say that if he wasn't going to do it? And right, right, right. I was really learning the bar business and learning the retail business mm-hmm. and learning that you got to follow up and you got to make sure they do it. And Especially when people are drinking, man. Exactly. That's a huge spirit. I mean, that's the one thing in the tech world you don't have to worry about. I mean, maybe besides lunch on Friday or something, right? <laughs> but, but ultimately, when you're going to a bar, people are busy. Oh, yeah. It's a flaky industry at times. So people will say things and they'll never come through. But you're different now, I imagine. You're oh, a yeah. Guy. yeah. Are, you, are you more hardened now? Is that? Uh, yes, yeah. I would say so, yeah. The, the industry will, will harden you up quick. And mm-hmm. you start learning. Like, you know, we say, and, you know, I, I've heard your podcast. I know we can curse on this. So sure, yeah. I always tell my guys, I'm like, they don't give a shit. They do not. They give don't. Shit, no. We're not keeping the lights on at Twins and Specs and mm-hmm. the big bar, the big uh, uh, chain restaurants. We're not keeping the lights on. Right. You know, the, the big brands are keeping the lights on. The Patrons of the world and, the, you know, for a retail store, the Jack Daniels of the world, yeah. they're keeping the lights on. So we have to push and we have to be on top of mind all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the, let's say the uh, Patron rep or Espelon rep or whatever, if he has to go to that restaurant, you know, once a quarter, we got to go twice a week. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we want to have that the menu mind, spot. Yeah. And if we get on the menu and we don't follow up, they'll come in and get us off the menu really quickly. Sure. And when you start ruffling feathers of those big brands, they've got the money to, to put Pick you away you pretty quick. Oh, yeah. So we got to pick our spots and choose our spots and try not to piss other brands off and right. try not to, we don't, we're not quote unquote stealing menus, yeah. um, but we do try to find a good fit where we can. And um, I'm learning that and having experienced guys. I hired two guys who have way more experience than I do in the business, yeah. which Clayton Christopher from Deep Eddie, who's kind enough early on to, to give me a little bit of time and answer some of my questions. Um, he said that early on. He yeah. said, don't be afraid to hire someone who knows more than you. That's you know? what you have to do. Was well, it e- can be an ego thing. You know, you're an entrepreneur yeah. and you, you know, you kind of, I think the, the cliche thing of an entrepreneur is like, we feel like we know everything. That's why we're doing this. But I mean, I, like I said, I got two guys in that room over there right. who have more experience than I do. Well, it's, it's a matter of knowing what the right thing is to do. Yeah. But sometimes you don't know how to get there. 
And that's where you bring in the people that do know how to give. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's the thing. And maybe that's the line where you can feel like your still ego is involved with it as a CEO. Or well, my whatever. name is on the bottle now. So I do oh, feel <laughs> really. <laughs> that's right. It says Willis Tequila. Uh, it on the back, it says Scott Willis now in the story. In the that's back killer. of the new packaging. Well, that was, I have to say this. So we worked with Butler Brothers in the, on the rebranding. Yeah. You know, we, we had, they looked at my website, the original website. And they were like, okay, what are you about? I, you're, you've got five things. Consumers can't comprehend five right. things. Yeah, yeah. you got to narrow this down and give them a couple things to focus on and so they said look we we like the idea that that is your story we like that idea and also it's an inexpensive idea and what i mean by that is you don't need a big marketing budget to sell a story to somebody right. of a person right, right. And, and and selling a person on a brand i think from my marketing background i, I think that it it gives ownership mm-hmm. in a lot of ways at tito's right so when tito's first started it was this six degrees of separation with tito seven degrees where it's like you know Everybody knew somebody who knew a guy who knew Tito. Right. I was in a bar with a guy. Tito was at the bar back then, at least. Yeah. Now it's yeah, yeah. You know, different deal. Anywhere. But that was the thing. And I thought, okay, that's how you, in my mind, that's how you can really be successful without a big budget right. is create ownership with the consumer. And ownership is they, they want to hang out with you. This is a guy. Yeah. I can, I can, this is a tangible person here. He's in South Austin. Mm-hmm. He's a real person who started this brand. And this yeah. is his thing. And so they said, let's just let's put your name on the bottom. Let's do that story. And so try to not sound egotistical when I was sharing with my team here right. kind of how we're going to talk about the new branding going forward. And I said, look, this isn't an ego move. You know, this is about our brand yeah. and about it's telling the story. the story of the brand, Absolutely. you know, and we don't have the budget to go dollar for dollar slick marketing billboards with some of the other big brands, even some of the local brands who are bigger than us. We can't do that. Yeah, but it's, so, you know, I think of ROI on that stuff all the time. It's like, yeah, let's drop 30 grand on a billboard. Oh, uh, you know what? fucking gin or fucking tequila that is dude yeah ridiculous so just get out on the street no right just get out and meet the people you can hire for, for thirty thousand dollar billboard you could hire a sales rep for like a year almost exactly. right you know maybe exactly. bonuses in whatever maybe yeah. more but i mean roughly it's a know? different but it's it's a different industry and i think you and i being younger and kind of more on that wave of technology yeah which is a cheap thing that gives you a competitive advantage if you use it right you know? right and it's totally free i mean this is one of the things and so when you talk about marketing budgets and branding and all that there's lots of tools at our disposal yeah. so so now here we are you've been to market you said roughly four years four years november yeah. blanco was the first the repo is the second yep and then third now and i haven't is it here in your hot little hands yet the Añejo? it's over there i got a couple bottles over okay. there yeah yeah it's out so we oh good good so the same way with the reposado the first time we did it is i put it down to age and then while it was aging things developed in the company that caused us to grow right so by the time it gets here, there's never enough. The episode of this first time we did it, I put down a certain amount, and then here we are, six or seven-ish, eight, nine. It was nine months later, actually, we finally got it. But down the road, things had grown. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I didn't put down enough. Well, then, yeah, it was kind of the same thing. We put, I put down 500 cases over a year ago mm-hmm. without, I didn't, I wasn't didn't with Republic Distributing yet. Yeah. I didn't hire, you know, some of my new guys, my new VP sales, or my sales rep. Things hadn't happened yet. So now with, you know, um, you know the angel share and all that. We pulled out 350 cases. Oh man! Yeah. And so yeah. what we decided is, we're like, look, we're going to push this as, hey, we have when we have it, we have it when we don't, we don't. So buy it up now, and we'll have more next fall. Yeah. So we put down some more ready to age for next fall. But and that's a, that's a, all the three products are at 80 proof, right? Yes, correct, correct. Okay. We're going to keep them all at 80. What is there a flavor that you lean towards more? Do you like kind of the new style, the Hoven style, or do you like the Añejo? I like the the Blanco is always my favorite. Yeah. Because I like that real robust agave punch yeah. i love that i love that yeah, full flavored thing i think it's so good and then as you're drinking it it develops more mm-hmm. for me and this varies from tequila to tequila but some of the age stuff to me um when you start drinking it it's um i don't want to say it's one note but 
um, as you're when I'm drinking my Blanco, as the glass goes down, I'm picking up more and more and right. more and more out of it, right? And what I'm tasting on that first sip or second or third sip of the of an aged product, sometimes, you know, by the bottom of the glass, I'm still getting that. Now it could be amazing, and that's yeah. great that you're getting the same thing. But I feel like the Blanco just develops and changes, and that's just a personal no, I preference. Totally I like agree, other brands man. Blancos better. It's not just mine. I mean, I like, you know, just that full flavored one. Now, or añejo, yeah, it's, it's incredible. So it actually does. You think it captures both the newness, yes, uh, and the crispness of agave while also having that creaminess. You can taste color. that it's our, and I tell people this all the time. You can tell that it's our blanco in all three representations. Oh, it's obviously right. the blanco. You can tell because it's blanco, but yeah. in the repo, you can tell that it's my blanco was put in a barrel. It wasn't. Hey guys, we need some of your reposado with cofredia. Right. It actually, was my blanco, and you can tell. You can taste that. So your vision with different yeah, lenses. which so is the cool coolest part about yeah. it. And I and I tell everybody too, when you're doing a tasting of any tequila, you should start with the blanco oh, every time because that's what they're that's what the distiller's trying to do. Everything else is what kind of barrels? How yeah. was it blended? What were the you know how the temperatures changed? You know, there's so many other things that come in into that, and there's a different art there. Yeah. The art in producing a Blanco is one art. The art in making an aged tequila is a totally different, different art, thing. you know? But you, if you didn't, that's, again, the, the lovely piece of it is you're on the hook. This is your vision. Luckily, over time, it stands up as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because we didn't know. I was trying the Añejo for a long time and not, you know, it's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. Yeah. I went down to bottle my last batch of Blanco in the, in the new packaging, and they brought out the samples and the, the cask strength of the Añejo. Oh, I was like, I, I now leaned over to Chris, my new VP of sales, and I said, man, we should bottle cast strength. This is so good. Yeah. And he was like, no. We stick. We got to stick with that 80 proof. Okay, right, you're right, right, you're right. We got to stick with our with our thing, which is 80 proof. We're yeah. not, there's already 100 proof out there, and we're not, we're not doing that. So that's, that actually brings up a good point. A couple of things, you know, being in this agave industry, you're part of the conversation now. And the conversation's an interesting one and a difficult one at mm-hmm. times when you talk about sustainability. So like the last two things I kind of want to talk about. One is sustainability so big mm-hmm. companies that buy three-year-old agave just to get it off the market so that other folks can't even get access to it yeah what do you what do you feel your responsibility if any is in that process of either replanting making bat friendly agave those kinds of things yeah so i had a discussion with my um my distillery about this and, and you know there's they're trying to get the the bat logo they're mm-hmm. trying to get that thing where there's a bat friendly you know i asked them about it and i said are, 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 is this something you're working on and you know being the kind of the forward thinking distillery that they are yeah. that is something they've been exploring for some time now if you if you don't know about mexico what they've done with this um iva iva tax with imex mm-hmm. so this imex is this new thing that came along where now they're they charge an extra tax on top of everything ah. which affects me because sure. I pay more per yeah. bottle and it affects the distillery. When all that started, they were forced to put resources on figuring out IMEX and getting all that done. So they kind of pulled away from Instead that. Of sustainability, but it is something yeah. that they're they're looking at doing. They do have select fields are doing that. Obviously, you lose some yield because sure. you got to let some of them flower. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think long term they have to. Yeah. You, know, you can't do this forever. It's going to take one big plague to just Blocks wipe right. it out. Yeah. You know, and everyone knows it's not an it's not an if it's a win. Yeah. You know, because it's you can't just keep cloning and cloning and cloning. You know. So, you know, from my standpoint, you know, that I work with a distiller that I don't own, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's more of a suggestion. It's a request. Right. You know, if you I were can't to, tell them, really. I can't, you know, if I got large enough, if I was on the scale of like a, of a Casa Noble and I was that level with them, I yeah. could probably force their hand a little more. But the fact is I've expressed it to them and they're on the same page because it's their livelihood. Yeah. You know, this distillery was started by uh the, the gentleman that, that a guy i work with is started by his father mm-hmm. so it's their family business now i work primarily with the son and they run it as a family the sister works there i mean they all work there 
So they care about it. They really care about the industry and they care about the, the agave. So they, they want it to happen. They want it the right way. It's just a matter of time, I guess. It's a matter of scaling your business and figuring out how much can we afford to let flower? How can we do this the right way for long-term growth, right? right. Um, and they own a lot of agave fields on their own. So from the perspective of, or the risk of another brand buying up agave and us not getting, we don't buy other people's agave. They own their own fields, which is the beauty of working with kind of a mid to large distillery where we are. You know, we're not tiny we're not huge we're kind of in that middle ground where they've got they've got quite a bit of their own fields yeah. they, they're not going to run out they can they got the capacity to produce a lot so it helps me as a small brand you know tack on my thousand cases at the end of that twenty thousand case cost right. nobly run you did right when you're done with theirs do mine done on the same equipment yeah they got plenty of agave because they have to because they're producing this other larger brand mm. um so, so but you reap a lot of the benefits of this i do I, I do and, and i'm not afraid to talk about the fact that they do produce you know other brands are larger. No, brands and they or have whatever. to. I mean, we're not. We, we sh- nobody should be green to that. Much like people shouldn't be green to the fact that like tequila's not made in Texas. I know? get that question a lot. All the time, man. People yeah. just don't understand that. I mean, that's okay. Yeah. It, it's born the culture of yeah. tequila five one two is here and deeply nestled within Austin. Right. The music, the flip flops, the shorts. Right. But, exactly. But that then maybe that's what counts. And then you talk about the story being more about you, right? Yeah. Not not egocentrically, but just because that's a great story to tell. Yeah, you're an Austin guy. You've been here a long time. You, you, when you came, it was still cool. Right? <laughs> it was cool. It was cool when you got here too. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, I mean, yeah. That's the whole. The whole premise is, is we've tried to really be open and transparent about. You know, Patron put up the CRT yeah. search on their website or the NOM search, and um, we try to be as as transparent as possible on the website. We say Luis Trejo makes this. I yeah. don't make it. I'm not down there in the agave fields, and I'm not in the distillery yeah. working on every batch. And I think consumers are smart enough now where you just tell them the truth. Like, look, it's, it's, you know, this is my taste profile that I like, that I chose, and I hope you like it too. And by the way, I won a big award and et cetera, et cetera. Give it a try. It's a good price point. It's a guy named Scott Willis from Austin, Texas that yeah. goes down there and tastes it, but I don't make it. You know, why does, why do I have, for, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you want, a, a, if you, you're, if your criteria for buying a product, any kind of spirit, is that the guy that is selling you the product actually put his hands on the product and produced it himself? Yeah. You can do that, but you've got a very limited selection. It's not a lot of stuff to market. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so speaking of marketing, this is my last question because I see some interesting trends now. Because yeah. tequila and as it expands to mezcal and sotol and the other kinds of agave spirits, mm-hmm. even though is not agave. But anyway, I think that people were going to want more niche stuff. Now that yeah. doesn't mean that it's going to be weird or hard to get, but still strength. Is something that is becoming quite popular. So, Tim Rivales has this still strength tequila one ten, Tapatio one ten. Yeah, Some killer Fortaleza's got one. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. All these things the Tapatio one ten is really good. Oh like man, it helps you experience agave in a way that you never have. Yeah. Before. I know you mentioned eighty proofs your game. Yeah. But even even if even in a more limited capacity, are you going to explore any of that? extra and yeho the still strength kind of version i think it would be cool if we can get like a grip on what we're doing now because obviously the new packaging so new packaging you know new location new distributor new employees that's all within about three or four months right so right now and new and then yeho with a third third product coming out really just trying to get a handle on what we're doing now I would love to do some stuff. My distillery can do some really cool stuff. They have different types of barrels we could choose. We could do some some wine barrels. We could do yeah. also, we could do some really interesting things. And I, I think my label now 
we could really play with it. And we talked about what if we did a black stripe instead of yeah. the yellow, and that was like our maybe we do 110. Some you know we right. discussed yeah, yeah. it. So you've got you could, yeah, we, we've got some pieces. some cool things we could do. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of again getting a grip on what we got, getting that everything kind of locked in, and then we say okay, let's add something. Let's let's do a, maybe one run of 50 case, a little tiny run of yeah, something really exactly. neat. You know, I I think there's a market for it, but you know you're right. You got to really like walk and be able to sustain a business, and if everything's changing. You're not even going to know if anything worked yet for six months. You know what I mean? Like, you right. got to make sure that this guy's doing his job. This other guy's doing his job. Yeah. Like, the market is growing how I thought it was. Yeah. And tequila, I mean, as, as you pointed out, you know, people are getting, as they get more educated, you get people who are even moving on from tequila and yeah. they're so tall and, and, and mezcal and other things. People that are even moving on from mezcal. They're, you know, yeah, it's Bacanora. It, yeah. Recia, people are yeah. pushing it forward and forward and forward. I mean, my, you know, South Lamar wine and spirits. I mean, oh, Pete's got so much stuff. Around. He used to have, you know, uh, um, one so tall and, and maybe a mezcal or two. Yeah. He's got a whole rack of... of one of the I best selections in this city, yeah. man, if not the best one. And that shows you right there what's happening, you yeah. know. So what we've really tried to focus on doing is being, you know, not to sound too marketing, but our slogan, perfect anytime tequila. So we want to be kind of a, more of a go-to tequila. Yeah. And if we want to do some unique one-offs and things, they will be one-offs. Um, you know, there are enough people out there that will do in these unique, whether it's a unique bottle or it's a unique proof right. or a unique, you know, you know, uh, type of spirit sure you know like the, the mezcal what's the mezcal with the chicken the, um oh, the pachuga yeah, yeah pachuga you know one of those more unique obscure esoteric yeah. yeah they need to be out there and i think they're really good for people to try but it's a that's advanced i tell people all the time they ask me the difference in mezcal and tequila and i say well tequila is mezcal it's yeah. just produced in a way that uses 100 percent blue agave or 51 percent. right so i try to explain to them in the way like you know whiskey and bourbon that comparison mm-hmm. you know um so i tell them you know if you look at a you want to compare tequila and mezcal i tell them it's like look at you know a, a, a maybe a a bourbon compared to a scotch right you know same kind of core ingredients but same kind of core ingredients but you know those but those really peaty scotches you, know, you get that smokiness that really to me that's a little more advanced right you know i can pour you pour someone a glass of, of a decent bourbon and pour like one of those really like lafray or like a really peaty scotch mm-hmm. next to it and they'll smell that and go wow that's like a campfire it's intense and I tell people mezcal. Mm-hmm. You know, some are some are, are different, but in general, I think of those as you know, it's more advanced agave drinking. Yeah, you know, it you, totally is. You got to be ready for it. Do you like being part of this conversation? I mean, this is kind of a question I'll leave you on, but agave group, the community is huge, but the people that are actually importing, the people that are actually making and selling agave spirits, it's pretty small. Yeah, I do. I, I don't. I know more people in other spirits brands than I know in the in the tequila world. You know, you've got. Pepe and, and some of those guys. I mean, I know them in passing. We don't hang out, yeah. talk. But the goal, I think, the, the goal with this brand, at least, you know, obviously is more case sales, but the goal is to be in the conversation. Not only be in it, but be a part of it, be a bigger part of it, a right? seat at the table. Right? You know, yeah, like when, when, when someone, whether it's a, a, someone writing an article for the Statesman or whether it's, you know, someone going to a party, I want people to go, Where, what's that tequila from Austin? Right. You know, be one of those that they think about. Yeah. You don't have to be the only one. Be one of them, you know? Yeah. Whereas I remember for years and years reading articles and they would talk about, I would be reading about some of these other brands that have been around and go, why didn't they think of me? Why didn't tequila if I want to come? And now we're beginning to start to come up mm-hmm. kind of organically in some of those talks and conversations. So it's People good. are thinking about you, Scott, and people are thinking about tequila 512. So it, it's been great finally getting to hear the story getting to chat and I, I can't wait to try the añejo and we'll have to make that happen at some point thanks so yeah. much for chatting with me scott thanks for coming to the casita yeah dude brilliant place thanks bachelor pad thank you so there we have it mr scott willis of tequila 512 a brilliant tequila in the spirit of austin the new 
headquarters slash casa slash bachelor pad there on First Street is just incredible. Brilliant floors, brilliant house, and it's just filled with tequila and tequila apparatuses. Apparati? Not exactly sure. The Blanco, the Reposado, and the Añejo are all wonderful spirits to add to the narrative and Austin to add to the narrative of spirits culture in Texas as well. And honestly, to get the insight and hear all pieces of how to develop a business, a tequila business, no less, is really insightful. And thanks so much, Scott, for sharing. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V. No matter how many Hallmark Christmas movies you've watched this season and feel guilty about it, or if you're really anticipating watching the Westworld finale that clocks in just around an hour and a half, please keep dancing.